What is going on, everybody? It's me, your host, Nicholas Willard, and you're listening to Almost Canon. So, if you have had an experience with the unknown or the paranormal, then we want to hear it. You can send us an email at almostcanonpod at gmail.com. You can hit us up via our Facebook page at Almost Canon Podcast. You can try us through our Instagram at almostcanonpod, but our email is probably the best way, and again, that is almostcanonpod at gmail.com, and who knows, maybe you'll end up on the show. Also, don't forget to rate and review the podcast on whichever platform you're listening to it on, whether it's Apple, Spotify, um, Google Play, I think is one, right, or... um. What's the other one there? Amazon uh, Music. I really only use uh, Apple Podcasts, you know, seeing how I have an iPhone. Sometimes I use Spotify, so I don't really necessarily know what other people are listening on. But if you're listening on a platform I forgot to mention, just leave a rating and review. I'm mentioning it now. It helps the show immensely. I can't explain how much it means to me and how much you're helping the show by leaving a rating and review right? So just take a second, leave a rating and review, give yourself a pat on the back, and you don't have to worry about it because you've done your good deed for today. All right, now that, I guess, I guess there's one other thing. Just like Bank, I know Chad had been on the show for a couple episodes and he was planning on being a co-host. However, he also got a new job And he is entirely too busy to take up the co-host position. So it's just going to be me for a little while again until I can find another co-host. If I want to find another co-host, right? So that's pretty much all I had for housekeeping. Now let's get into tonight's show. Alright. Night Country is over and done. And whether you liked the show or not, you gotta admit, there really is something not only mysterious, but alluring about the freezing cold landscape of the frozen north, right? Something that I know grabs me by the shoulders and directs me towards the call of the wild. You know, a call that I wish to this day that I answered in my younger years. And I'm betting those listening to the show now wish they answered as well. Luckily, tonight's guest is someone who did answer that call, and in doing so, jumped feet first into one of Canada's greatest lost treasure stories. Adam Palmer is a professional mountain guide within the Canadian territory of British Columbia. He's used his skills as a mountaineer to spend time on and search through some of the Pitt Lake region's Hardest to reach peaks and glaciers, no doubt, coming across clues and most importantly, adventures. So tonight, we're going to peek behind the veil, get up close and personal with one of the expedition members from Nat Geo's Curse of the Frozen Gold TV show and see if we can gain any insights into Slumax Lost Gold Mine. 
how did you first find out about um did, did you watch dead man's curse or yeah well i guess i got a little confused on that i guess they called it uh I'm, I'm guessing they called it curse of the frozen gold down here um that was the first that was the first one back in 2015 so in 2000 or sorry 2014 we shot curse of the frozen gold for discovery channel and that was based on our first explorations um, of going into the upper pit area and our big traverses across the glaciers. So they did six episodes of that, basically. And it was kind of uh, following in our footsteps from the previous expeditions we did in the past, you know, couple of years. So that was the first kind of um, eye opener to the world of of uh you know the, the mystery behind the lost gold mine in pit lake that was the first televised kind of in modern times that that i started yeah yeah so dead man's curse is now right. on now and that's on history channel canada hulu in the states and i think it's premiering on the weather network here in the next uh couple weeks oh nice yeah because i listened to a, a podcast that was on over the summer um yeah and we're talking about that and i i was like I, I've, I've never heard of that that show before i'm i'm just gonna assume it's the you know the old one but that's that's pretty cool that there's an uh you guys have an another season coming out or another show yeah 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 dead man's curse it's kind of we did the first season of the show and then uh the podcast started uh right after our first season um and the podcast did really well it was number one for a long time but the podcast was kind of cool because it went more deeper into the history and right. it had more more of a mysterious side it was kind of like um almost set in a tone of like a true crime drama in a way right um and it and it dived into the more paranormal activity the the mysteries and the, and the the unknowns of the area right yeah yeah i definitely enjoyed listening to it that's for sure i um I'm a postal driver during the day, so yeah, I'll so you would... listen to podcasts. <laughs> yeah, you need podcasts. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. So what's uh, what's your big burning questions that you have? Yeah, I mean they're not like huge questions. I just wanted to get you know the lowdown on this whole Rob. Uh, what's his last name? N Nicholson. There was a story yeah, on, right. on that show um, that involved an alien in a cave. That's that's actually the. So out of all the stories, so that was one of the actually the first stories that my introduction. So when I did when I did Curse of the Frozen Gold, my partner was Evan. He's from Australia. So he actually back in 2008, 2009, um, we were getting involved into kind of doing more research into this lost gold mine in the upper pit lake area. So we went and actually interviewed a, a couple people that had history you know you know 50 years before us 30 40 50 years before us you know we wanted to find out who was all who else was looking for this gold mine and what they found before right. we went in those so one of those people one of the first persons that we ever interviewed and talked to was rob nicholson and it's it's so strange because his story has stayed the same over the course of so many years i mean it's it's coming on now like 15 years his story has stayed the same over 15 years and it's been repeated from our initial interview to curse of the frozen gold to dead man's curse and then to the podcast and his story is fascinating because it's it's one of the first stories i heard 
um, you know, you're looking for a lost gold mine, then all of a sudden you get a story of a of a alien encounter. It's like takes a left turn, right? And like, how do you how do you react to that? How do you you know what you know? It's it, there's a lot of crazy stories about the lost gold mine in Pitt Lake, but then all of a sudden the first one you hear is you know an alien encounter. So you know, no word of a lie. When we first went looking for the gold, you know, this lost gold mine, that was the second thing I was looking for was you know, a crashed UFO and an alien in the glacier, you know, right. you know, you could ask, ask anyone that I'm on expeditions with, and they're like, always wondering why Adam comes, you know, every time we go, I, I come with full glacier gear, and, and equipment to, you know, I'm rappelling down into the glacier, into the crevasses, I go into the ice caves, because, you know, it's, if, the, if you're going to find something, it's going to be stuck in the ice, you know, so right. it's, it's a kind of, it's kind of a running joke in a, in a lot of ways when people go on expeditions with me, but to me, it's, um, there's a little bit of a serious side to it because, you know, you know, I'm not just looking for a lost gold mine, but you know, I'm also looking for a crashed spaceship and, you know, underneath the glacier, right. <laughs> maybe, maybe I watched, maybe I watched John Carpenter's the things too many times, but <laughs> I tell you, if I would lying, if I said that wasn't in the back of my mind. Right. No, I mean, that's definitely, um, my favorite part of the that whole that whole show um and i i, I just wasn't sure because you know with tv they often you never really know what's true and what what the producers are kind of just throwing in there so i was like is this a real story or did they just yeah, mess up for the show or yeah. what 100 100 percent. i we we interviewed him and he told that story before there was ever any mention of any tv any you know podcast any i don't even think existed at that time and you know, this was this was actually four years before we even I even did a TV show for for Discovery. There was no TV show. There was the only the only motivation we had to go interview Rob Nicholson and find out that story about this this encounter was basically our, you know, we want we're curious to go find out where he went, you know, to looking for the lost gold mine, you know, because it's uh, you know specifically the Terrorosa Glacier. That's kind of the it was the most kind of unknown it was the the most unknown part of the legend that was the kind of the least explored area so we were we were into into going to into areas that were the least explored you know if you're going to find it, it have if it hasn't been found now well where haven't you know where has the least amount of people been and and um why is that right. and you know when he told the story it it actually just sparked the fire it it uh it just sent us even harder and and uh, more, more, in, we were more inspired to go looking for the gold based on his story because now we had two things to look for. You know, not only were we looking for a lost gold mine, but we're, we're looking for we're looking for aliens. So, you know, to me, that's the best of both worlds. Yeah, I mean, definitely, especially with the show that I have here. I mean, we we're all we love the alien stories. So, yeah, it's it's it's, it's one of those things too where. It's it's because it's the most unknown, but out of all the paranormal activity, out of everything that you hear, it's probably the most um, desirable to investigate because it has the best chance of coming true. Like it's 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 funny because the UFO phenomenon and the it's it's always been one phenomenon that's had the most plausibility of of being, you know, not just fiction, but, you know actual fact that something is going on mm. yeah especially with everything that's coming out 
over the summer and UAP oh, for sure. and all that, you know? Yeah, it's only getting it's only getting more exposure now. And I think it's because people are more, you know, they realize that, you know, the technology we have now, you know, I think there it's more accessible for people to investigate and not have to put in a lot of hard work, but they can read, they, they have the internet, they have multiple research avenues that they can actually fact check and find out things now where, you know, back in the day, you'd have to go into and find newspaper reports or you would have to find old, you know, digitized files or, you know, now you can just Google it and find out, you know, what's real and what's not. Right. Have you ever like tried to use Google Earth and just like searched around on there? Yeah, I mean, we, we we can you you can do that, but it's not, you know, it's not it's different than boots on the ground. You can miss a lot on Google Earth. Google Earth is not right. that reliable for finding something. It it's um, you know, we we have a joke too, is where you know, there's the Google Earth prospectors or the Google Earth explorers, where mm-hmm. everyone thinks they know everything, you know, where it is, or you know, based on their research on Google Earth. Well. You know, the only way to do it is to go, the, you know, actually go there right. if you want to find the truth. Right. You know, yeah. we we pick areas. Yeah, we pick areas that we, you know, we know from maps and then we'll, we'll use Google Earth as a backup, but not our primary source. Right. Yeah, that makes sense. I know I uh, I talked to uh, Tom Pollard a, a couple of times and he he's he's like a an Everest climber. And I think they he went on an expedition 2019 and i I think they used google earth and they they like thought they spotted a body that they were searching for and they but it turned out to be nothing yeah and that's that's the problem with google earth so you know it should be your second or third you know it should be your third or fourth um you know you should have one or two other things backing up your expedition for you know the reason why you're going into an area and then you know you use google earth as maybe your third or fourth option (laughs) right do you think um do you think Rob Nicholson, Rob Nicholson, Nick- you think he'll ever, you know, tell you where this this cave was? Because he, he seemed really cagey about, you know, letting anybody know where it was. Yeah. So, you know, it, it it's pretty it's a pretty interesting story because every time we interview him or every time we talk to him, um, whether it's in person, personally or on the show, um, it's there's little bit some more information that comes out. So it's not like it's not like he's holding back it's just there's only so much time um you know whenever we get together so you the more you talk to him the more you find out and the more you find out the more credible the story becomes because some of the things um that he describes and i can go there and i actually see it in my own eyes like whether it's the landscape or like for instance he told me we found I was in an area looking for a lost Spanish gold mine up in, up in an area. And um, he said that there was some pictographs depicting an ancient battle or, uh, you know, on a in an area that, you know, was has never been, you know, it's, it's covered by a landslide and hasn't been seen for, you know, hundreds, hundreds of years. And he was a logger in the area and he uncovered this area with these ancient pictographs and i'm like okay yeah well this sounds like a great story but he gave me the the gps coordinates and i punched those gps coordinates and i hiked to the area and i found them with my own eyes and i took pictures and i have i documented the site and and from that knowledge i actually found more 
ancient sites in the area. So, you know, it's it's been other expeditions that I've used his research on, um, not just f- trying to find the lost gold mine of Pitt Lake, but other other lost mines and other expeditions. And I've used his research and I've actually found exactly what he said he saw. So, you know, it's, 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 uh, yeah, I mean, this is, this is the story of, of his encounter on the Terrosa glacier, um, is quite interesting. Um, because, uh, just this past year on an expedition, we were shooting an episode for the show and we were in an area and it was day three of the expedition and the, it was, Oh, it was after a long day on the glacier and everyone's coming back to camp and everyone had dinner and everyone's, you know, at the end of every night, we kind of all eat together and then everyone goes their separate ways. Mm -hmm. And all of a sudden, all of a sudden, uh, I I guess something happened that night, but I I went to bed early. I was exhausted. So I went to bed and um, the next morning I get up and everyone's talking about these, these uh, strange lights they saw in the sky. Oh, and man. I'm like, come on, guy, You're, you know, you got to be kidding me. Like, they're like, no, we're serious. And this is coming from our, our, so our cameraman and our, our production manager. And also we had, um, mountain safety. So there's mountain safety guys that come on the expedition, help the camera guys, because we go on terrain where it requires a lot of, a lot of, uh, technical climbing right. and a lot of, uh, a lot of stuff where the camera people need as much help as they can to, to follow us. It's not yeah. an easy task for them to, this is, you know, people think that TV is not real, but this is, this is a, this is a different kind of show. This is, you know, if, if people only saw what, what happens behind the scenes, they would understand. But anyways, you know, I get up the next morning and everyone's talking about these, these flashes of lights they saw. And we're just going through, we're just going through, you know, ruling out everything. And they're like, okay, well, did anyone have a time-lapse going? No one had their cameras out. All the batteries <laughs> were charging the production tent and, and this is the first time that I've seen like these guys, you know, these professionals, like just flabbergasted, like could, they couldn't explain what they saw. And I said, well, you know, it could be ball lightning. It could be some sort of, you know, static electricity in the air. Um, and they're like, no, there was nothing. There was, it was just calm, pure blue sky. And then all of a sudden these flashes of lights off the side of the, of the mountain that would come intermittently. And it was like a, it was like a green flash. And this is actually right in the exact spot that Rob Nicholson described his encounter with. So I don't know if these two events are connected or not, but after that moment, when they said that, that was the last day of the expedition. But, you know, that to me is reason to go back there and actually monitor and, you know, somehow surveil the, the nighttime activity in that area, because I think these two events are related. Yeah. I mean, it definitely sounds it. Um, I know when he was talking about it on the the frozen gold show, he's like talking about his teeth falling out and his hair falling out. I think it definitely sounds, you know, something to do with radiation. At least would you, (laughs) would you want to go in that cave? Like, you know, kind of dangerous. I mean, yeah. I mean, it's the thing is, is something, something's happening. So, I mean, you've got to figure it. We got to find out. I mean, yeah, it's something, something happened to him up there. And that's, you know, besides finding the lost gold mine and finding volcanic brown, my third biggest motivation, my, my third biggest, you know, burning desire to, to answer 
a question around the lost gold mine is to find out if Rob Nicholson saw what he saw is true. Right. Well, I mean, I, I believe him <laughs> and I just heard it on the show. So I definitely believe him. Yeah. Well, and, and it, it really, it, you know, after so many years of researching this story, this kind of side story in the lost gold mine of, of an alien encounter in this area, you know, last, last summer when this, these strange lights appeared in the sky um, that just kind of made me go, okay, well, wait a minute, something is happening here. You know, we can't brush this off anymore. You know, we, this is something, something is, is going on in this area. I don't know whether it's, you know, if it's, you know, aerial phenomena or if it's geological phenomena, right. you know, like something is happening and right. we should figure that out. Yeah. So that, that was, that was my first question. Um, and I, I guess I really don't have that. I really only have a couple more. Um, Volcanic Brown, he, he was an interesting character. So he just disappeared, right? Just vanished. Yeah. 1931. And he was, um, he's, he was, he was one of the first. Um, so out of the whole legend, he's, you know, he's the legendary person and he's the real person. So if someone were to ask me, you know, what's the best evidence you have that this lost gold mine exists. And I would say it's because volcanic Brown was looking for it. So he was, he was a celebrity at the time. He was basically from the early 1900s until the time he disappeared, he would make the newspapers in the mining world every other month of every year. You know, he was, he was the man to, to um, if you were in the mining world, you know, you knew who Volcanic Brown was. He was a celebrity of the time in the mining world. And, uh, you know, he did an expedition. He did an expedition with actually some pretty famous people. Uh, George Pla George Perry and and George Platzer. They, you know, these two guys were looking for, um, you know, the lost world up north with with um, with airplanes in the mm -hmm. 1920s. Some of the first explorers using aerial surveillance and flying in the north up in you know up in the yukon in northern bc looking for this lost valley they made headlines i mean you could google them and find them in old newspapers so they even came and did an expedition with volcanic brown in 1926 and that was the first time volcanic brown actually went missing he was found uh you know a month later because the he did an expedition with these two guys those two guys went back early he stayed out and you know and this is all documented truth. This is real stuff that's happening in the upper pit. And Volcanic Brown was known to go in the upper pit year after year after year looking for this lost gold mine. The thing is, is to me, I think he did find something because why would he keep going back? Especially, you know, from 70 to 80 years old, this, this guy's going up across the glacier, you know, 14 miles long going across the glacier. And he's he found something. I don't know what he found up there, but he found something and he kept going back. Mm. And in 1931, you know, when he went out, he never returned. And that same, that same year, which was, it was kind of weird. There was, there was another famous person, um, Warburton, a nurse that was known to go hiking across in the same area. And she went missing as well. So, you know, his disappearance in that area, I'm always thinking like, I'm like, maybe this has something to do with, you know, not just falling down a crevasse and dying on the glacier, but maybe, you know, you know, maybe he was abducted by these same aliens that Rob, you know, that Rob Nicholson saw, you know, that's right. always, 
that's always in the back of my mind. Yeah, definitely. I mean, it sounds like he found something at least, you know. Is there is there any like journals or anything that he leave behind? No, no, there was no nothing. The, the most information that we have is just his yearly trips that he was he was seen in the upper pit. The last person that saw him, it was in August in a little town called Elvin at the um, northern end of Pit Lake, and um, he got some uh, he got some beans and rice and some supplies, and then uh, left. And he was known to have cabins, and and um, he was known to traverse a long ways, um, and he would always return to Elvin in, in, you know, September, October, but, uh, you know, it came November and he never returned and they searched everywhere for him. And the last, the searchers got to the, to the lip of the Terrosa glacier, but couldn't push on. They couldn't push any further to follow his footsteps where he went. So the, the search party thinks that he basically went missing in the same place that actually Rob Nicholson had his encounter. Well, that's super interesting. Yeah. It's kind of like you connect the dots after all these years. I mean, if, you know, if you, if you look at all the research and you add it up and, and you basically profile of where these strange occurrences happen, you basically get the same dots on the map over the years. Um, where Rob Nicholson said he had his experience. Now, is there any like, like um, you know, indigenous lore behind the area? Yeah, so the area has been um, known to basically be an area where back in the day they would have people in the in the surrounding villages from Harrison Lake, Pitt Lake, and Stave Lake. Those are the kind of the southern ends of this area, and they would travel up into this into this area for for um what we would call like a, a vision quest or a, a, a dream time like the period where they would go out and basically prove themselves and what they were doing is they were going into these areas and staying f- for weeks months at a time surviving and and the purpose of that was to get their power to to become to get basically past the man you know passing the manhood and become a uh get a, a spiritual power so for instance, some people would go up. I mean, this has been hap- This was happening for thousands of years. It's it's deep, deep, rich cultural heritage that a lot of the, the people that were here for thousands of years practiced right up until you know contact into into the late seventeen hundreds, early early eighteen hundreds, and even 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 after contact. Um, but basically, the, you know, young men would go up in the mountains, they, they would find their spirit power and some, you know, some were the spirit power of the bear, the otter, the mink, the, uh, the grizzly, um, the eagle, and they would, you know, fast for days, weeks at a time and, and come back to their villages and, and they would be, they would represent, you know, what power they came and they would give that teaching to more people in their village and pass on the stories. And, you know, this is, this is all in their traditional hunting grounds in the territory that um, spanned for thousands and thousands of miles. You know, they, they set up great tread trade networks um, through these same trails, but some of these trails led to areas where there was spiritual power and they would go into these areas. And, and if they were, if they were tough enough to survive and, and to withstand the elements, they would come back with a spiritual power. Um, 
legend has it that some of these people did not return. And those who did not return were known as the wild men. And they were called Saskahannas or Saskit. And basically it means wild man plate. And this is what grew into the legend of what we call the Sasquatch and Bigfoot is, you know, ancestors, ancestors describe these young men, these hunters that would go into the mountains and some would come back and some would not return. And those who didn't return were known as the wild men because they were, they essentially lived, lived in the mountains. Right. And then, you know, and then as, as, as we kind of, as contact happened and the, you know, the colonial colonial movement happened and, and all the rest of the stuff, you know, these, you know, us as for lack of a better term, like white people or Europeans would come and, you know, maybe we would encounter some of these people and they looked different from us. So they, we, we in turn would call them, oh my, you know, uh, you know, Bigfoot or Sasquatch or, wild, right. you know, wild uh, of the forest. Um, that to me is, is, is one explanation of what describes the Bigfoot phenomena. Now, uh, obviously the other side of that phenomena is that there's these hairy giants uh, you know, living in, in the wilderness that are, uh, you know, shapeshifters and are from different dimensions and can mm. shapeshift and in and out of dimensions as well, which sounds far fetched, but <laughs> it's, it's, it's strange because a lot of these first nations in the area also have a legend of what we describe as being a stargate. So, you know, what we would describe as a stargate they describe as as that these certain people um or beings can come in and out of this dimension or we can they can go travel into different dimensions and this you know there's there's a there's a stargate kind of theme or an interdimensional theme in a lot of indigenous first nations legends all around the world that you know the you look for the light in the mountain the light in the mountain is that you know that gateway so there's tons of stories in this area specifically the area of the lost gold mine where there exists a portal a light in the mountain and if you find this light in the mountain you can find the origins of humankind so to me that's related to the same you know to me i think it's all one phenomenon i think that this this legend of a of a stargate of a portal and the legend of a of you know alien encounters and the legend of of bigfoot or or sasquatch or wildman is is all connected somehow yeah definitely i mean you're definitely hitting on on some major topics that i've been talking about for the past couple of weeks now <laughs> it's which which is right. really, really weird um I didn't even mention anything like that to you and you just brought it up. So that that's really interesting. Um, have you ever, yeah. this, this could be a hot take. Have you ever thought of, you know, maybe this, no one can find this mine because it's in one of these gates. It's not even here, you know, it's yeah. on one of these different realms. Yeah. I mean, there, there, you know, you could have the possibility of where, maybe this this lost gold mine was it's described as a lost gold mine but maybe it's not even a, a gold mine maybe maybe it's it's another maybe that's just another word for that light in the mountain you know right. what i'm saying and um 
you know, light in the mountain, you know, portal, Stargate. And maybe Volcanic Brown slipped into that portal. Maybe he did find it, you know, and that oh, he went in and didn't come. That's so cool. <laughs> <laughs> That's so cool. Um, so this, this, yeah, this kind of swings me. I'm, Sorry. I'm, no, you can keep going. Sorry. That's okay. No, that's like I was just going to say, I, found, I mean, I found pictographs in the area that, you know, some people describe as that symbol for a Stargate, you know, the, the spiral, right? You know, I've been to Arizona, New Mexico, Utah, and even up here, you have the, those same symbols in right. in areas where that are regarded as, as sacred areas or or cosmic um, or, or vortexes, right? You get the whole Sedona vortex theory going on. Um, you know, and those same pictographs that are found there are found up here. So what if those are connected? What if those are the signs? What's that? What if that's the marker, you know, marking these vortexes, these, these stargates, these lights, the light in the mountain, you know, what if this pictograph is representing basically the, the highway, you know, the, the, the markers to follow, to find the light in the mountain. Right. Definitely. And you know, this is so weird. Um, so over the past couple of weeks, you know, I've been watching this show on HBO. Um, this True Detectives. I don't know if you heard of it. Uh, Night Country. Yeah, it was. Awesome. Yeah. And and one of the the major like um, symbols that keeps appearing is this spiral symbol. So I've been kind of like for the past couple of weeks, I've been doing episodes that that are kind of like you know in the north dealing with the ice and all these crazy stories. So. It's it's crazy that you're talking about this spiral symbol now. <laughs> I didn't even yeah, mention yeah, any of it to you either. Like, yeah, I'll, I'll email you the one I found in the area. Um, so I'll, I'll I have pictures of it, and um, and I also found this, you know, what could be possibly the first megalithic site in British Columbia ever discovered. I found this this massive boulder, and this boulder is shaped like a face. It's carved. It Dude, looks like yes. it's been carved. I saw yeah, that. I, I, I'll check. I think I put it on there, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Definitely. I saw it. And I was like, is, is this carved or, or is this natural? Yeah, that's the best. That's the that's the million dollar question. I haven't. I What I need to do is get a forensic archaeologist if something like that exists or a forensic geologist or something to see the rock just to oh, tell yeah, me. And to, right. Yeah, they got to be. Yeah, there's this guy named Scott Walter. Uh, he actually works. I don't, I don't know how in in you know in you are with Discovery, but he's actually he had his, his own show for the longest time too. Um, I wonder if they can oh, put you guys in contact. He he's a forensic geologist. That's like what he does. That's what we need. Right, because if it's the same picture that I'm thinking of, that it definitely looks carved. Yeah, it's the face. I think I'm standing. There's one where I'm standing in front of it, um, looking up at it. And then there's another one kind of with the trees in front of it. And then I went back another year and I took a picture of it kind of where a ro recent rock slide kind of came down around it. And um, But the base of it looks like it's totally carved, like it's it's shaped in the face in a in a in this strange looking face, like almost like a um yeah, like an Anunnaki type looking face almost. Right, right. Yeah, definitely. I saw that picture. That that that's interesting. I know, like, I don't want to bore you with stuff from from where I'm from, but I live in you know on the East Coast in Vermont, in the small state of Vermont, and we have this little area that's called the Bennington Triangle, right? 
you know, the weird stuff goes on there. And um, they have the story of a man-eating rock. You know, the Abenaki, that you know, they lived in the area forever, and they talked about this man-eating rock, apparently. Um, and I recently, I kind of just started putting it out there, like, what if this isn't a monster? You know, it's not a rock that's eating people. What if it's like, you know, I guess a Stargate, you could call it. What if it, you know, you step on it and you're transported through, you know, dimensions to totally. some sort of portal disappear it's, right it's interesting and um well i want to go see that yeah i mean uh, no no one's ever found the rock who knows if it even exists i mean i guess the only way to find out oh, is I, to step on it if, yeah if it's there i'll find it <laughs> <laughs> but uh this that's super interesting and um my ne- i guess my next question was um during during the show and one of the earlier earlier episodes, you and and Evan, I believe his name is he he mentioned something called a, a salicome. Does that sound familiar to you? Uh salicum? Yeah, maybe. Yeah, slalicum, like a it's basically the like mysterious creature. So I've I've searched the internet for this and I've never found anything to, about it. And I was just wondering what it was. Uh slalicum is another word for um up here in bc um it's like an indigenous word for meaning of there's several different types of slalicums uh the sasquatch are one of those um also the sea serpent is one of those and um there's a couple others that are uh like what like certain types of um uh mythical beings can be slalicums um so there's also one like an underwater bear. Um, so there's, it can mean a several things. The most, you know, the, the most common ones are basically uh, Sasquatch and um, sea serpent lake monsters. Hmm. All right. That's cool. That's I'm definitely going to take note of that. Yeah. I mean, I searched for yeah. it. I didn't find anything well, about it. Yeah. Slalicum. It's, it's, um, it's an indigenous word. Yeah. Uh, let's see what else I got here. Um, I get. I mean, I guess I'll find out now that this new show's coming out. But I know at the end, the very end of of the season of the Frozen Gold, you guys found a map in the in like an old in an old mine, and it just kind of ended. And it's been years, and I, you know, I like I I watched this. I'm telling you, I watched this show probably four or five times. You know, like over and over again. Yeah. I was I was obsessed with it at first. You know, and uh, I was like, what's going on with this map? But I guess maybe I'll find out. I, I don't know. Um, yeah. So I used I so because Discovery Channel stopped um, with Frozen Curse of the Frozen Gold stopped, but um, our expeditions never stopped. So Evan and I took that map and I combined that map with um, an old indigenous legend I heard of uh, of a mountain in that area that the that this map is this this map had a drawing basically it was basically it was it looked like a page out of a out of a journal and it was written on the back of a it was actually a mining report piece of, it was like a piece of paper ripped out of the back of like a mining report like a <laughs> um when when mining companies like do assays on their mines and stuff it was like a right. it was like a journal almost like of what they're doing every day but there was like a, a bunch of mountains and like a map kind of like a very kind of crude drawing of a map and with some words on it. And one of the mountains was uh, a mountain in, in 
in an area that I've been doing expeditions on. So I use that map and I'm like, well, this mountain must have some sort of sig- significance. So we use that map and we actually, we combined it with um, research from an ancient story from the, and, uh, the people that uh, were in this area and indigenous people. And they have a oral history uh, and a story of where a long time ago when the flood happened, you know, 10,000 years ago that they tied their canoes and their boats up to the top of this mountain and they lived up there. And then when the waters receded, they finally came back down. Well, I, I kind of combine that story with, I'm like, I want to go to this, see this mountain to see if there's any remnants of these, of these, you know, elders said that you could still see the cedar, cedar remains, the cedar rafts that they used back in the day. And I'm like, okay, well this, it's, it's a long shot, but I'm going to use this. And then there's also, you know, this mountain is located on this, on this map having, um, it just had a, like an X, like a star um, printed onto it. So I was like, well, this must mean something. So we did expeditions up there and we found um, what we describe as, as, uh, as an island of crystals. There's crystals everywhere all over this. And you probably can see some of the pictures. There's crystals as big as your arm. And in on this area, this top of the glacier, there's um, these crystals, and there's um, there's actually a, a pictograph, uh, ancient ancient painting from a long, long time ago because it's so worn out. And there, we actually found um, indigenous tools dating back um, almost nine thousand years. Some of the oldest technology, and they're called microblades. And these microblades are um, uh, basically uh, they're basically like ancient razor type tools you know carved in the stick or that they would place in the stick and make make cutting tools with so we found remnants of these rocks that were sharpened so sharp and they uh they put these you know on these they would make tools out of them and we found remnants of these ancient tools up on this glacier so it it proved to be actually quite a useful quite an amazing discovery and since that time has gone on i actually brought our it caused a I did three expeditions to that mountain and it, uh, we brought up uh, several archaeologists and they, we have now protected that site and made it a, um, it's under uh, federal regulation and protection because it's um, an ancient archaeological site. Oh, wow. That, that's so cool. Yeah, it's fascinating. I, I have a lot of pictures of it um, up on, uh, you know, you, I actually took students from I up there for, on uh, archaeological expeditions and, um, we, uh, you know, the, I took, I took a couple elders up there and they told the story actually on location and yeah, it's just a fascinating, powerful place. Right. Yeah. That is that story with the canoes, you know, they tied them to the, to the mount, to the, to the mountaintop. That's just fascinating. Uh, you know, in itself, totally. you hear these stories everywhere. Yeah, not not only in the Bible, you know, they just oh. everywhere. Yeah, everywhere. So I mean, let's see. That was, I guess, that was really all I had for questions on the show. I mean, I didn't know, and then I was just wondering if you had like any. I mean, you you kind of just you share, shared a bunch of stories, but I I didn't know if you had any like, I don't know, weird encounters while on these expeditions or in the middle of nowhere in the woods or, or, you know, anything like that. Does anything strange or unusual ever happened to you while out on expedition? Um, you know, I'm what you call like, um, 
you know, a, a, a cautious, open-minded skeptic in a way where, you know, I always think there's an explanation, you know, there's got to be some, some, somehow there's an explanation for something to happen. I'm, I, I approach everything um, very analytical and I, and I, I research it to death. If there's something happening in this, in an area, I go, okay, what's the reason? Why, why is it, is it supernatural or is, is nature just naturally super, you know, like right. there's, there's, you know, things are, things are fascinating, you know, it's something, it's something, this world is fascinating. So it doesn't always have to be explained by saying, well, you know, that's just not of this world or, you know, there's always usually an explanation for what goes on. And sometimes that, you know, sometimes nature is, is, is just as fascinating as anything you could possibly make up. But I mean, when you're, when you're up in, in the area, you know, and you're on a glacier and all of a sudden you see, you know, these crystals all around you in perfect shapes and sizes. And then there's a painting on the side of this mountain and it's depicting these, these, you know, beings, this, this strange shape, you know, you got to wonder what were they painting? You know, what were they, what did they see? And I think sometimes you can feel that energy. You can, you know, so you know, I would be lying if I said, no, you can't, you know, it's just all, you know, I can explain everything. No, I think there's, you can definitely feel in areas where something is different. And I think that has something to do with like what I mentioned of being in this area of energy, like these vortexes and, um, you know, these, these, these areas that are said to have portals into another world. And I think, some of these areas that I've been to that I've researched to death, the only explanation that I can, that I can tell you why I felt that way or, or, you know, why it is, is because it's, it's gotta be because it's an entrance, you know, to another world. It's, right. it's something, something must be going on. There must've been something happening on this planet, you know, thousands of years ago that we don't know about, you know, I think there was, some sort of you know techno technologically advanced civilization or something happening here that has been covered up and um we don't know about yet yeah no i I definitely i know what you're talking about um i i do work with uh with a, a a diver that lives in my town and she's actually she i don't know you, I'm trying to think of where where it was i think it was in winnipeg there was a they they called it the ghost of Sharon Lake. I don't know if you ever heard of this. It was an airplane, no. you know. It it crashed in the lake and it sunk to the bottom. And she actually discovered it, rediscovered it, and brought it brought it to the top. But um, she also does work with some Abenaki sites along the Connecticut River down here. And she says she goes to these these sites and she can feel them. You know, she can just feel it. She can feel it. She totally. doesn't exactly know what it is, but she can feel something. You know. And I, I've, yeah. I've got, I went out and I bought some, you know, like ghost hunting meters, right? <laughs> and we're gonna go down there this spring. I was, we had this big flood came through, uh, over the summer, so we w- weren't able to get down there this year. But we're gonna go down there. We're gonna try to. I'm, I'm gonna give the give her this meet, meter, right? And she's gonna bring it under the water, and try and see if it's giving off any any sort of energy, like detectable. Yeah, no, you can't. Can't lose by not trying. Right. 
but um but yeah i mean that was i guess that was really it i just okay I good yeah I'm, well if you got everything you need yeah so feel free to call any sorry for uh d delay there but i'm i'm literally still at just uh we were digging on an old mine that collapsed that i've been trying to find and we found the opening and we dug on it today and i just got to my friend's place that's why i'm talking to you as i'm trying to get my stuff out of his truck <laughs> <laughs> yeah no thank thanks for making the time to come on i know i, I definitely know you're, yeah, you're no. super busy so yeah no it's uh it's all good i'll um i'll uh feel free to call any other time yeah and i'm just I, gonna uh, say definitely... bye. i'm just gonna say bye to my uh bye to the friends here and then uh <laughs> i definitely dig your um your mind theory yeah yeah it's you know it's we're all explorers and i think uh you know the more we come together and share our stories maybe you know it's all part of the puzzle pieces of the puzzle <laughs> right perfect all right yeah thanks for coming on that was great all right yeah yeah and i'll uh i'll when do you think when do you are you I'm, air i'll uh i'll have to download some of your podcast now <laughs> yeah i'm gonna shoot for the end of the probably friday i can i can send you a a link yeah yeah i'll i'll, I'll uh, add you on every, all the socials and uh we'll keep in touch yeah definitely that'd be great sounds good nick all right thanks for coming on talk to you later see ya all right adam palmer i don't know if you guys ever heard of him um i know him from like i said curse of the frozen gold it was a tv show that was on years ago right i guess they they revamped it um and it's coming out again that's exciting news. I'm super pumped. I totally forgot to um, ask him where people could get a hold of him if, if if they wanted to or if he wanted them to. I know he's a uh, professional mountain guide. He's he's got a his own outfit, I believe. Um, maybe I'll, I'll shoot him an email and I'll I'll see if he wants to share any of that. If not, disregard this. But I truly think his his um his take. On the mine, I, and I, I don't, I don't, I honestly, you know, I've never heard him talk about this. I've never talked to the guy before, and it's so weird how things seem to be clicking. You know, he's talking about the spirals. He's talking about um, transdimensional beings. You know, Sasquatch being transdimensional. This is something that we've just been bringing up on my show as of late. You know, with with the episode I did on Tobodak and. And and all that good stuff. And I got some things that I've been, you know, obviously on, on the sidelines, I'm looking up some crazy stuff. Um, there's a word for it. I want to say serendipity. That might not be the word. But I'm sh pretty sure it's called serendipity. And um, it, it's just super weird how he's talking about the same exact things that I've been talking about. And I'm telling you right now, I, 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 you know, I sent him a couple of emails to get him on the show, but I didn't, you know, I didn't even tell him I was going to ask him about aliens. I, I wasn't even sure how he was going to, um, you know, respond when I, when I'm like, Oh, you know, the, the story about the guy who saw the aliens. <laughs> right. But you know, I, we, we, I was, we were lucky uh, that he opened up 
because I myself never thought of of you know this this lost uh Slumax lost gold mine in in such a way. So it it was it was eye opening for me of the stuff he's talking about. But yeah, that was Adam Palmer, professional mountaineer. Sounds like he's a professional treasure hunter. You know, I, I should have asked him if he's ever found any treasure. But um, it sounds like he's been finding mines and he's definitely found. Well, I guess he did say he found, you know, all these ancient artifacts. And, you know, even though you, you might not be able to sell it doesn't mean it's not treasure that those are definitely a treasure, priceless treasure. But, yeah, I'm, I'm going to have to get a hold of him again and, and talk more about this, 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 um, you know, this ancient site that he found with the carved face. I like like I said, and I know I, I interrupted him. Uh, when he was talking about it, but I did see the the picture of this 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 carved face, and I'm telling you, I'll, I'm gonna try to see if I can repost it from him. Right, I'm telling you, this face is carved. There's no way nature made this face. You know, this this rock is carved to look like a face. Um, and I just so happened to to go through a couple of his his pictures on his Facebook page and I found it and I'm telling you man this this site this is this is definitely an, a very interesting site and he brought up you know Anunnaki um which plays into my my whole theory and it's, it's just it's I I think I'm just almost speechless I don't know what to say a lot of what he was saying is is resonating deeply with me and a lot of the the research I guess you could call it. I've been doing with the Bennington Triangle, you know, and and Tobledak and and these these stone monuments and and stuff on on that mountain. You know, I I really do think there's something to be found within, you know, indigenous lore, whether whether you're in Canada, Alaska, um Mexico, Central or South America, it doesn't matter. There these ancient peoples they knew a lot more than what we give them credit for. Um, and just because they don't have, you know, computers and email doesn't mean we shouldn't take them seriously. You know, he found like he was talking about these cave paintings. That's what they had. They had they could paint what they saw. They could carve what they saw. And if we we're lucky enough, they could write down what they saw whether on, you know, parch some sort of parchment or paper or rock even. Um, but yeah, Adam Palmer, mountaineer, adventurer, treasure hunter. And he definitely sounds almost canon to me. Three hours away, Adam and Evan set out to gather extra intel before their trip to Tararosa Glacier. They're on their way to meet with legendary Slumac investigator Rob Nicholson. If he can actually pinpoint that location, it can save us four days travel. In the 1980s, Rob claims to have found the entrance to the lost gold mine. He also claims to have found something else. I don't think Rob's been back to the Terrosa since uh, the encounter that he had. Rob Nicholson was one of the first people to ever speculate that the Terrosa Glacier plays a bigger part in, in this legend than what we think. He's described the gold sitting in pools of water. And he says something else is in there, guarding the gold. Hey, good. Hey, good Rob. to see you. Nice to see you. Yeah, how are you? Every time I see him, he gives us a bigger picture. Now it's the time to get that, that one more piece of the puzzle. So if we come in from the south, mm -hmm. 
we would essentially have to cross the glacier to get to yeah, the Yeah, you have to cross the glacier to, to get to it. I mean, if we just take a general search location and search this area, that would be our primary search area. Yeah. Wow. This time, the area that he was leaning towards is not the area he was leaning towards last time. It's uh, not easy to find. You know, it's it's like the gold miner's truth. It's sometimes just a little bit slippery. I'm not going to tell you exactly where because I like you guys and I'm not going to send you to the desk. <laughs> simple as that. As, do you think it's because of the danger from the rock? Or no, no, not at all. You think because something's in there? Oh, I know there's something in there. In 1989, Rob says he encountered an entity on the Terrarosa Glacier. Now he refuses to return. I don't know how to explain it, but it looked like a, a lean man. Yeah. All gray, various shades of gray. It didn't appear to have any gender, although you could see its muscle formations. It basically uh, said to me, uh, retreat and live or proceed and die. So... You know, it, it scared me enough that, uh, yeah, I went back. And then about uh, two months after that, my teeth started uh, basically falling out, almost like a radiation poison. In spite but, of all the, the warnings that we've had from Rob not to go to this location, we need to explore this for ourselves. Do you think we'll find something in there? Oh, yeah. Might not be what you like, but you'll find it. <laughs>